You're listening to episode fucking whatever of the Claim Throne Blodgecast. <laughs> You're here uh, like you always are with Cabra and Ash. And we have a guest today, which has been a while, so it's good to have someone else here chatting with us. Yeah, good out. His out. name's Jay. Huxy, fucking whatever. Huxy, yeah, and, that'll uh, do. <laughs> he does a variety of things, which we'll find out over the next hour or whatever. Um, I'm Cabba, and that's my story, and that's what I said. Yeah. Hello, Ash. Your turn. Hi, Brendan. Um, <laughs> yeah. What is this? Is it episode 96? Not sure, but nearly or 100, 97? which is out of control. 798. I think it's 97. I can Fuck tell yeah. you, um, yeah. Andy from the Andy Social Podcast is well and truly ahead of us now with more He's episodes. the Matthew Hayden of podcasters right now. He is, yeah. High strike rate. Yeah. We're like the Tubby Taylor taking their sweet ass time. I was actually talking to, do you know Stu from Silent Night? Uh, yeah, no, he did hit me up um, a while ago about the merch and stuff, but um, I was gonna don't say, know him personally, yeah. If you don't already, you'll know him soon after he listens to this <laughs> and the Band Tools podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hi, yep. Stu. Yeah. Delivering for Toll Priority. Um, oh, really? I'm talking about him. Probably cricket related, right? I was going to yeah, say, well, Toll Priority, Stu why isn't he delivering airbags to my work? Oh, because he doesn't <laughs> service, sort it out, mate. He like, doesn't service your area, mate. That's oh, why, mate. Service away. I actually have no idea why I brought him up, but it's a good excuse to talk about Stu for yeah. a minute. I like Hi, mentioning Stu. any member of the McGill family on here is really good. Oh, fun. Tell me about it. Yeah. Any Fuck, excuse. I don't even know where I was going at all. Matthew Hayden. There's got to be a reason, right? Uh, oh, that's right. I told him I was going to drop three episodes this week. Uh, is that okay with you? It is, and especially because the website and podcasts have been down for about six weeks or so. Yeah, that was a surprise. To a tip number one, make sure your domain is set up with the company that you think it is set up under, and if you don't pay a bill for someone that you don't even realise you have a, a website uh, domain through. Did someone sign down. up to Crazy Domains? <laughs> and No, not Crazy Domains. Oh, but there we go. We changed our website years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when we did that, the domain actually never changed over. And then whoever we were set up with oh. migrated to someone else who migrated to someone else. And who, who? we started with Smarty Host that's, when we had our it. own um, Somali host. Pirate, <laughs> Somali pirate host. hosting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had a, uh, a webmaster back then. And then when mm. these days when mm. there's website builders that are really easy, like Banzoogle, bantoolshq.com slash Banzoogle, they are... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's really easy. So even like a, an idiot like me can manage to set up a website and it's a lot cheaper and easier yeah. and all that. So I've done that. But then, um, yeah, the domain got stuck with the old one. Uh, and then I never paid a bill and it got, yeah, went too far overdue. So I couldn't even transfer it. So then you have well, to we were on tour. Money. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Then I came back to upload yeah, a podcast yeah. and it was gone. Yeah. Damn name servers. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, hopefully I'll fix now. So we're back. Anyway, Stu, I will fulfill my we are promise for yeah. three I mean episodes <laughs> this week. One that I've already sorted to a podcast, which is horrible, by the way. Really? Yeah. We so just- we, Yeah, had the How we did phone. it was just had um, an app on the phone and just pull it out when I'd remember yeah, and yeah. had battery and just talk shit. So the audio quality is On the planes. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the just cars. Just randomly. So essentially a dictaphone. Pretty much, but worse. <laughs> it was worse. And, um, yeah, cutting in and out of conversations, talking about utter shit. I, I think it's like a hundred solid minutes long and I left about an hour out of it Fucking because hell, it just yeah. by then I was like, I can't be fucked with this. Yeah. And it's all we're doing is talking about neck beard black oh, metal. The whole it. time it was happening, I was, I was loving it, but I just knew that it would be a nightmare for you to deal yeah. with when we get back. 
whatever. All good. So that's one. This is number two. Mm. And then I believe, are we still doing one on the weekend? Probably, yeah. We should. Yeah. Before goes to plan, we need to do one about uh, what gear I'm buying soon. Yeah. With your advice. Yeah. But anyway, you just sat here for half an hour watching me and Jay do a podcast about his I new platform called Mercher. Yes. M-E-R-C-H-R. And that's uh, what he's over here for. But now we get the chance to chat a bit more about yeah. all sorts of shit. Spin yarns, drink beer. Exactly, yeah. The yeah. easier, more normal <laughs> yeah. situation. Yeah. Actual conversation. Yeah. No questions. Yeah. Yeah. No interviews. Well, there will be some for. because, yeah, I wanted to butt in a bunch of times yeah. because yeah. I don't – I've heard of Mercher through, as I said, through Jared Bridgman. Yeah, 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 of course. From Earthrot and Cabba mentioned it to me and I was like, oh, yeah, it's an interesting idea. But how in the fuck does it work? And yeah, it was pretty cool to get a little insight. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, do you want Do you want to run it back? What is Mercher? Mercher. Well, it's it's essentially um, all right. In layman's terms, it's a merch store that prints your stuff, sends you stuff, and collects all the profits for you and pays you those profits on demand, right? On demand, completely on demand. So there's no upfront print costs, no nothing. Everything is handled by me. Uh, even your customer service. So if someone gets shitty that, you know, they don't fit their uh, large shirt anymore, then, uh, <laughs> you know, I sort that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So say goodbye to having to order 500 T-shirts to make it worth your while to get the low cost to sell shirts yeah, cheaply definitely. and say goodbye to figuring out all the sizes and shit that you need to order in advance. Specifically online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, given the way it's structured, it is, it's, it ends up real expensive if you want to do a bulk run. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and obviously not locked in. So by all means, continue bulk runs. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a, an option for, you know, people to go and generate another source of income for their band without them having to worry. Um, mm. I think I've, I've posted it a couple of times, a little cheesy little slogan that I've got, which is um, no risk, all reward merch, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> it sounds about right. And the the thing is, like, for us, when we might go on tour and we offer, we'll offer a shirt for, I don't know, 10 bucks, right? And which, which seems crazy. And the reason we do that is because it's overstock from a previous run. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And oh, and by the way, these cheap shirts are only size extra small yep. or triple XL. So if you fit yeah. in those two categories. Small. Yeah, youth small. I mean, oh, no, well, yeah. If you fit those categories, they're 20 bucks. But uh, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you want to give it a shot, 10. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're brave enough, <laughs> 10. But then, yeah, then our normal run of shirts. And yeah, the interesting thing about Mercher is that it is a very standard, standardized pricing, what you'd expect to pay for merch. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's not like the bands are foregoing all of their rights to that. For the sale, uh, which would you'd traditionally expect, you know, for example, going to a, a big online reseller of merch, mm. you don't know what. Like, I'm in the interest of sporting indie, indie bands. merch store, yeah, for yeah, example, yeah, exactly. Um, so say, yeah, you jump on like, well, that was one of the ideas I had behind it. Like, I'd, I'd seen indie merch store, mm-hmm. bought many a t-shirt from indie merch store. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yep. Ash pointed out your shirt. Should we? Should we do like? Should we do like? Like fucking merc commands, like uh, slap you with a fucking salmon or something, just so people know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
for Braille, listening Braille. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Braille podcast. And um, oh, we've got to welcome our uh, Aussie Sign Language uh, translator. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fighting, by the way. If you guys smell anything, oh, it's my dog. Ah, it's just dogs. She's been barking at uh, Jay because he must smell of cats or just have oh, a strong I smell, smell of pussy. I smell of Morty. Morty the cat. But now <laughs> she's um, bone to butthole with yeah. that crunching sound because you have anything to say. Nah, just, just, a, sniff. just sniff. Hey, Pickles. Talk. 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 Oh. <laughs> and there goes my... Uh, yeah, yeah, pop filter. Microphone. Delicious. Dummy, Pickles. Made a no, that's sick, man. But, but um, yeah. It's cool that you're behind it because I had no idea. That's my long story short is I actually didn't realize you were behind it. Or, as I said earlier before we recorded this... That it was even a Perth-based thing, full stop. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a lot of Melbourne bands on board and was just out of pure luck, you know, circle of friends and friends of friends. And, um, yeah, everyone assumes it's an Eastern States thing. It might be an Eastern States mentality thing. Sorry yeah. if you're from the Eastern States and not from Perth. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we tend to cop the shit into the stick and no one believes that we do anything good. Well, I actually yeah. can't believe something like this doesn't already exist, does it? Um, I did have a look and there are very similar things up and running. Um and obviously, fulfillment services on demand. Um, when I went initially searching, there's um, a few places in Australia you can do it. Actually, one of the bands that are on it um, was with them. But it's about 30 to $40 a shirt. Or if they opt to get the cheaper shirt, it was like $25 to get a shirt printed so they make like a dollar a sale or something. Mm. So as soon as I hit them up, they're just like, oh, yeah, man, no, we do something like that already. I was like, oh, well. You know, here's the price, here's how it works. And it's like, oh, yeah, yep, coming over. Sweet. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, they exist. And fulfillment on demand is a, it's a massive thing in every other industry bar the music industry. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it just clicked. It just clicked. I needed to, you know, give bands essentially, um, I don't know, more chance to develop their, their product. Because you think about it, at the end of the day... Everyone's a consumer. Bands are producing a product, which is their music, and, you know, everything else is a bonus. So if you can, you know, make everything else easier, they can spend more time focusing on making good music. So mm. really everyone wins. <laughs> and it's cool to be able to get more designs as well because I always want us to have all these merch designs available. Yeah, but then, yeah. yeah, if you're doing to make it, you know, cost versus what you get, yeah, you got to get a run of, I don't know, what's a good run of shirts? 50? 50. Something? Yeah, yeah so 50 least, yeah. times that by five and then not immediately have a show coming up, just have it as online sales. It's a pretty big risk to take as um, a band. Not even factoring in shipping or anything Exa like that. No? Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah, now it can yeah. be done we, if we yeah, see a picture that we like or draw of something and want to try it. I can't do naked ladies. <laughs> no, sorry. No, it's lucky yeah, I mean, if you want to make a design, cocked man um, online, but yeah. make a design about Coco's <laughs> Curry House yeah. and put your band name on it. You can do that. Hey. Yeah, yeah. We should copy that idea. Hey, yeah. Do it with um, good do food with and good podge. Man, Anghidi has some seriously Plodge hot curry. curry. If you house. ask for an extra hot curry, uh, Vindaloo, they'll yeah, do oh, it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do love it. Oh, actually, I find it really funny. Like I fucking love Korean food mm -hmm. and um, the barbecue oh not even just barbecue like um, I went to Korea kimchi. and Japan oh like kimchi yeah but like uh, like bookie <laughs> or stuff Ooh. like that so like every time I go and order like Korean food they're like oh this is really hot I was like yeah I get it I'm white like just, just 
it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. But no, like you would get that at like Indian places. They just make the the Western version. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like ooh, spicy. <laughs> Man, I do love hot. Uh, Dyson is that guy yeah. who's like goes to some obscure restaurant in somewhere in Asia, and they'll say, "Oh, too hot," and he'll be like, "Come on, yeah, bring it." <laughs> Actually, at Coco's, like he was the one who. You know, tried the hottest. Oh, it's hot, is it? What did you get? And you're like, oh, yeah, we got this number. And he's like, all right, I'll double that. <laughs> yeah, bring out this. And they're like, all right. <laughs> yeah. He's old, though, and has no taste buds left, so. Tattoo of a chili. Makes his own chili. Wait, who are you talking about now? Doesn't matter. I don't fucking care. Whatever. That's good is hot food. It's, yeah, it's good. It is yeah, fucking good. Enjoy it. Actually, I made a Japanese curry last night. Oh, dude. Challenged myself <laughs> to see how quick I could prepare it. All from scratch, no curry blocks. Thank oh, you, Tabba. Oh, man. Curry I was wondering how you're doing. Curry so good. They are good, but but I do my own curry roux from scratch. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, I think I got it down to like maybe 45 and it was on the plate, which is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Considering usually it would take longer, but usually I'd make more. So, mm-hmm. I can make an express Japanese curry. And you smashing some quick. katsu or something in it or just veggie? In this one, I actually cooked the chicken in with the curry, but usually right. I like to do a bit of a katsu mm. deal. So, yeah. Look out. Yeah. Only What's your favourite studio food? Studio food. When you're working in the studio. Coffee, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you fucking eat that shit. Mm. Migraine? No. You can't even afford migraine when you're around <laughs> a studio. Man. What are you talking about? Even, I mean, Mercher, it sounds like you've got a whole shitload of work to do and probably not very much monetary reward. You're still enjoying it, I guess? I like love it. Over I, anything, get to help I've out become, the and- I've become relevant in the industry again. <laughs> 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 no, it's, um, it, it's all automated. Um, like I automate as much as I can. So, you know, if someone makes an order, it's automatically sent to the printer. It's automatically filled. It's automatically shipped to them. So I've done it with, and then, you know, it took me three months of programming and figuring it out and making phone calls and all that. Actually, um, I wouldn't have been able to do it had I not found some Bitcoin in one of my online wallets. So I sold that and uh, then had some resources. So when did you get that? How many years ago? Uh, Probably about six, but I spent it all back then. And back then it was worth like, oh God. Bitcoin itself was worth fuck all. I think it was about you know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks a coin back then. But um, I threw it in like the, I, I threw it in Bitcoin dice. So I mm. threw it in the casino. And back then it was probably worth about, you know, two bucks. And I was like, oh, you yeah, know, nah, whatever. Forgot about it. And then next minute it's worth like two mm. grand. And I was like, yeah, all right, sweet, cool, fucking, I'll sell that. It seems to be a talk of the town at the moment, and it's one of those things where, like, you hear about it, and then you go, ah, this will just fizzle away, but it just never goes away, and then now you're hearing stories of people who've, yeah, made a fair fair chunk of coin off it. No, see, so the funny thing is, it's the people that are going, oh, yeah, it'll fizzle out, are those those financial experts, you know? Mm. Um, But, no, it's... Brilliant. It's got many benefits, you know, being decentralised, you know, it's it's, it's more democratic than currency, mm. or as a currency, than oh. normal currency. Oh, yeah. 
Sorry, Doggo, Doggo did a fluff. Yeah, she's just moved on to adult biscuits and Ooh, yeah. telling us about it. Oh, <laughs> but um, no, nah, crypt- cryptocurrency is it's it's a funny subject. If you if you don't know how to, uh... oh Jesus, that's thick. <laughs> don't want to really put the fan on, but I think it might be no choice. Yeah. Or lock her but, um, out again. Yeah, if you don't know how to trade, you know, stock, then don't trade crypto. Uh, it's it's not going to make you a million bucks overnight. Like you're eight years too late. You'd have to be quite lucky, I imagine, to oh pure pure luck. It's like Telstra shares or something. Yeah, back exactly. In the 80s if you had that or telecom shares. telecom shares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before they fucking sold it, fucking or Apple shares maybe. Yeah, that'd be a more recent example. Yeah. When are we inventing a time machine? Because there's so much I want to invest in. As Yeah, I reckon. Oh, I reckon. Fuck, Even stuff like... Um, actually, I don't know how this would work, but something like Spotify, for example, that's taken off. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. Uh, never has their stock gone up? Because they don't make a profit, but has their stock actually gone up? I have no idea, man. Yeah, that's it, it, It's all dependent on how many people invest and what they invest in it, really. Mm. Well, the fact that they're still afloat and every person I know except me has a fucking Spotify account... Oh, yeah. Sweet ass. Sweet. Um, yeah. Speaking of Spotify, the way I look at Mercia is kind of like, um, not like exactly like Spotify, but in the way that a band would like us would use Spotify. So, we'll, we'll release this most recent album independently, right? Mm-hmm. So, it goes on Bandcamp. We'll press a number of CDs, um, which if we had some sort of a, a CD on demand service, we could have actually used that. Yeah. But we went the traditional route. Yep, we got yep, CDs yep. pressed. And then we've got streaming on the side. So, whatever it is, Google Play, Apple Music, Spotify, all yep. that on the side. And it's like, we don't take that on the road with us to sell, but it trickles along in the background. For yeah, example. that's it. Same with Bandcamp. Yeah, like, royalty payments and all that. Yeah, yeah as long yeah. as it's all set up. Yeah. Yeah, and Mercha seems like that. Like, we'd go on tour and we might bring a number of items with us to sell on the road. Yeah, most But definitely. then in the background, we might have completely different designs or... Even the same ones just available to people at the show who didn't have money. But for us to sell it via our merch store would probably yeah. cost them a lot more than to just go through something like merch. Yeah, actually, it's funny you say that. Um, one of the things I neglected to actually say on the other podcast was um, one of the things I've been working on is, um, like, say, developing an app. Uh, and I was thinking of making a complete, like, point-of-sale system. So, like, you go to a gig... Um, you go up to the merch desk. Bands have like their two, three shirt designs or something, and then all of a sudden there's a poster behind them, and it's got all these other designs with QR codes. Mm-hmm. And these QR codes, oh, QR codes, are my favourite thing. You can do <gasps> so much with them. But I, 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 he I, loves them. That's oh, why. dude, I've seen, I love the idea of them. But then you know, we you go to a, a gig and you print out an A4 page with a QR code on it, and no one actually uses it. Print A1. But. Hey? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you know what I mean, but you'd need to, I think you'd need to have have mm. it integrated well, have it somewhere good to point them to. And I think something yeah. like Merchant would be good for that. You yeah, know, yeah, most get, definitely. You get these different, you don't like the designs we've got here? Try these limited exactly. edition shit over Yeah, at yeah, yeah. Well, that was the other idea. And um, like, I, I do have friends that are developers and stuff. So like developing an app that specifically, say say you guys went on, on tour, you couldn't take a lot of merch with you, you're international. All right. So someone comes up to your merch desk 
and in a terrible European accent. I can't, I'm not doing it. But uh, they're just like, merch. And uh, so they're having a look. You've got your couple of shirts that you've printed for the tour. And then there's a tablet. There's a tablet on the mm, desk. Mm, and they're like, cool. oh, okay. All right. And they go through it. And it's strictly mercher with your stuff on it. But the app has been specifically made for you. So only your merch is available on it. They go through it. Shirt, duh. Done. And they can buy it and European printer, bang, send it to Europe. Go to the States, do the same thing. They'll receive that it. That is a in pretty under a week. idea. Imagine and that's, that. that's our minds, Jay. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm working on. Mm. So all of that staying ahead of the game. Even on this um, recent tour, we did, you did like for years now. I love to give people shit who come up to the merch desk sure. for a local band and they're like, do you take card? And you're like, do, do I look oh, like I can fucking yeah, take card? Yeah. So I give people shit. But then we just go on this tour and there's the other band we're playing with every gig and they've got this little thing called Square Eater Dude, or whatever it is. Awesome who is heard it? that? Orpheus Omega. Oh, Amazing. Connected to your phone. Serious? Tiny little thing. Yep. No bigger than my- Strictly straight to paper. my pinky finger. And so they pick their shirt, get given their shirt, put their credit card into Orpheus Amiga's mobile phone they've got there. Paid. No, they no would. looking through your float to try and find a $5 they note would. for change. They it was amazing. They thought a lot about mm-hmm. yeah. like um, futurizing their band in general. Yeah. So I, th- I think an idea like that, having an yeah, iPad that there. Is fucking smart. Yeah, don't oh, do it. And it's, it's funny you say mm. that. Yeah, I was looking at integrating. Uh, mm. well, as a complete point of sale system, exactly that with it. So yep. someone goes, with oh, cool. Like, or, or say you're at the pub and some drunk bloke wants to buy like three shirts and it's like, oh, mate, you're not carrying them home. And he somehow knows it and he's pissed. And bang, he'll buy it. Yeah. Done. Sweet. Yeah. Or like try and wear them all or fucking <laughs> yeah. risk losing it you, or yeah, all that shit. You know what happens. Break yeah, the in any case. Yeah. 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 Man. Uh, so that's one of the things I'm working mm. on. Like it to sidetrack onto Orpheus. This so we played three shows with them over <laughs> east a couple of weeks ago. And um, for an Aussie band that's starting to do a, quite a lot of touring, they had a pretty interesting stage rig. So they were running, they just had a little rack there, but little, I'd say maybe 12, 12 16 units, space, yeah, 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 something like that. And they had like a Line 6, what are the Line 6? Uh, helix or something. The helix, ones, they yeah. had a Helix, they had a let's say any. Axe effects, maybe, Kemper or a Kemper, yeah, one yeah. of the two. So, I think it was two, Kemper, Kemper, two guitarists on those fucking things, and then they had one of those little mini new Roland trigger modules they've got, the tiny ones. Mm, yeah, I've seen um, then they ran their ears. I don't remember how they distributed it, but everyone was on ears. Everyone was fucking click track was running through their triggers. No all stage this, sound. No stage sound. Yeah. And they, and they just carry that with them around the world. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me one bit that they're already onto this other thing. Yeah. Because mm. it was pretty, well, yeah, that's, pretty that's cool. That's very, very similar. Like um, uh, mates of mine over in Melbourne just came over for a tour. I said just came over. It was probably about six months ago. Hmm. Um, yeah, mates in Harbours. Um, they were supporting um, Real Friends from the US, pop punk band. And um, all they had was literally a very, very similar setup. But they also had those new digital uh, Sennheiser wirelesses that look like fucking fish sail fucking things. So they had those as well. And like you go up on stage and everyone's clicked, everyone's just wireless. That's what Winter Sun have. I I didn't know what they were, but that's what they are. Yeah, they look like little, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Little sails. And um, they're Mm. like 
uh, I can't remember. I haven't read up on the specs of them, but they're like very directional wirelesses, or like, they'll still work everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, digital, real cool. Correct me if I'm wrong, people listening. <laughs> Winter Sun, who we were both supporting, had the next level rig. Yeah, which was right. Those things. First gig, they were tracking to tools. The whole thing. That, by the way, yeah, they had axe effects. I think for both guitarists and the bass player. Yeah, right. Everyone's yeah. on clicks. Everyone's obviously on in ears. To the point where while they were sound checking, the guy would solo the, the kick and the rest of the band didn't even know because they, they only go up there to do their ears. So, yeah. this guy's getting like, oh, I've got to adjust this kick sound. But usually, like, if that happened to me and all the sound dropped out and I was a guitarist and you had no onstage sound, you would know what you're doing. But they just looked like they didn't even notice yeah. because, yeah, they're obviously all in there on ears. Oh. All their switching, MIDI. Yeah. Everything. Brilliant. So, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, th- pretty nutty. Yeah. Well, that, that will solve the issue of when you're trying to tune and the drummer starts playing. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, they've got Evertunes. Oh, don't they? How guitars. fucking cool are Evertunes? Real cool. And then the thing that was crazy, I was like, oh, they must be recording their set to like put out an Australian tour EP. Next night, we're in there. Mm. Virtual sound check. So, they're, ah, he's doing all that. So, when brilliant. the band come in- all they're actually sound checking are just their ears and that's it. So, they run through two songs mm-hmm. and they're just getting levels. So, they've got a guy running uh, monitors mm-hmm. and he's a guitar tech as well. And then they've just got their front of house guy. So, they tour with a Behringer X32 desk and they've got a Rack X32 running their ears. So, yeah, fucking nice. cool yeah, setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's real cool, man. Hell cool. It's almost like, um, you know, when you're going on tour as a sound guy with a band and all that and, you know, having profiles of each band and it's literally like if everything is the same, well, if you, you, you know, you got the same desk every night, it's just like a USB, mm. bang, profile, done, sick, mm. automation, done, and then you just line check. Yeah, and I think Sam Allen's doing that with the versions. Crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Sam does do that. It, and he's got, I think he's got them all on iPads or phones or something doing oh, their okay. own in ear mix. Yeah, excellent. Which is oh, cool. Brilliant way to do it. And um, I was at a barbecue on the weekend. A barbie. And a mate of mine's buddies with, um, do you know Adam Round? Randy? Yeah, I know Roundy. Yeah, so Roundy's doing Taming Parlor. Same thing. Yep. Every night they're doing virtual sound check and they're not actually doing a sound check. They're just getting on stage and playing. Mm. So, Roundy's sorted it all out. And yeah. in the first song, apparently, he's tweaking the mix. Yeah, that's it. And then, yeah, building it over yeah. the course of a week. Yeah. Yeah, pretty fucking crazy shit. No, it's awesome, dude. Like, <laughs> it's it's, that. Yeah, uh, that's it. Like, uh, And the thing is, like, not just with... Sorry, bourbon. Encouraged. Um, with live sound. Oh, thank you very much for the beer. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm, pr- I'm from Caratha, mate, so uh, everything's cold. <laughs> I thought you from Heathridge. Oh, well, I am from Heathridge. <laughs> the Actually, well, I was born in Port Hedland, but I don't tell oh, people that. So lives there. Fuck, it's out there on the internet yeah. now. I just wanted to say Heathridge on the podcast. I've done now. Heathridge. <laughs> Hello, yeah, go on. Just, yeah, nah. Um, <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, no, like, one of the things that, um, you know, you've seen over the years is the ever-evolving state of... Every industry, but the music industry. Look at, um, you know, look 15 years ago at the state of the recording. Well, look at the 90s, the state of the recording industry and all that and budgets and this and that. And then you see the way, you know, bedroom producers come into play. And I remember when I first started, fucking, fucking Aiden hated me. I was the bedroom kid. 
you know, <laughs> you know, but shit happens. And I ended up fucking engineering for, you know, seven, eight years and then got sued. Get into that later. <laughs> and, um, but like the, the, the ever evolving state of things like, um, CDs, CDs, you can't go to fucking sanity and buy the coolest CDs anymore. Mm. You know, like, um, even I went into Dada's and struggled the other day. Oh, dude, man, I remember when that was in its fucking peak. Or seventy eight. You can go into seventy eight and go. Oh, you don't have this CD. Order it in for me. Mm. Bang, done. But um, yeah, like look at look at streaming. Look at all of these options um, that are available these days. And like, there's this ever evolving industry. Soup name drop, cunt. And um, yeah. So and th- that's it. Like you've always got to evolve with this thing and like touring bang done you know long gone are the days of borrowing gear or expensive flights like of course you're still going to take your rack with you but you can have the same sound every night and yeah i I just think it's really cool and it's it's these elitists or these you know the old-fashioned people that are, are struggling to keep up that hate the idea of it and embrace it i say i love it mm-hmm. yeah it's funny because we're kind of like um you like Cabra and Dicey had Kempers before they were cool. You, what, what did you pay for your Kemper originally? Ah, uh, less, like, less than two grand, right? Oh, really? Uh, it was actually just I did double check that. I think it was like two two. Two so, two, okay. pretty good still. So you got in right in at yeah, the start. Yeah, nice. And Dicey heard that and got on board. Mm-hmm. And so we were touring with them, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we got these fucking toasters or whatever." Yeah. But these guys are still old school enough that they wanted a cab. So. Usually there's a cab at every gig. This is the first tour we've done where we actually struggled to ensure that there were cabs at every yeah. gig. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, 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 on, on the lineup using cabs. Yeah. We had to like specifically Weird. organize it ourselves to, in yeah. each city, get someone to lend us cabs, bring it to the gigs for us. Whereas in um, on the other side of it, like, I mean, fuck, I've been using drum triggers for years. Yeah. And they were shitting. They always shit me off. When you tour and you're using different size kits, different... It'll be tuned differently every night. Yeah, that's like, it. Yeah, everything's different. The sensitivities are all off. Yep. It's all weird. I'm someone who embraces not using triggers. <laughs> I love them when they're working, but when they're not, I'd rather just get rid of it and use like a Beta 91 or something. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. And be happy with it, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's, throw it in, set, forget. Yeah, whereas that's other guys are like, oh, fuck, I couldn't deal without them. I'm like, you, you know what? You can. You're just scared because I reckon it's a monitoring issue. For drummers, mm. like if you if you kick consistently, whether it is somewhat soft or whether it's super hard, as long as they can set the gain and whatever compression and EQ just to mm. sort that constant level, you should be sweet, right? In theory, mm. in yeah. Theory. In theory, but it then, helps to kick hard. But yeah, but the thing is, I oh, will look at that in the the state of music these days. Um, you know, you, you've got all these tools that can assist you you know mm. I'm, well, coming from working in the studio like unfortunately i had to auto tune a lot of people unfortunately you know long gone are those days back in the heyday and i'm not going to be an elitist because i love editing but editing drums wasn't a thing back in the day mm. you know and then you know big mean dave Grohl. I love him to bits. But, um, you know, he, he comes in and goes, oh, you're not a drummer unless you, you know, track without a click. Or, and then people get this mentality, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to be legit and not track with a click. And they suck. I was mm. like, oh, man. And it's so much even if you can track without a click. Yeah. When you're forced to 
like like that's fine for a band that plays live. Yeah, yeah. If you're tracking everything live and it's 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 vibing. Yeah, but when you're playing metal and the drummer goes in first and then three weeks later the guitarist, mm, mm. like it might be, I don't know, how do you know you got your tempos right? Exactly. Your cues for leading in. Like, yep. Because I'm older than everyone, my first recordings were with without a click. Yeah. And I, here's me always counting Count, yeah. with a hi-hat yeah. or, I don't know, with sticks or whatever. And it was always on the recordings. It's like I wish we could just like have a moment where things fade and then kick in or something and you can't do that unless you got a click track mm. or you know i guess that was a few years later with um when the digital stuff got a bit better mm. where you could like maybe paste in a click just That's to it. guide yeah, someone yeah. in or something but yeah like you're creating the illusion that a band's all playing together and so having a time constant is mm. i don't know i wouldn't say it's essential but it's like advisable right well, see, back when it wasn't essential on a recording, those bands practiced and they were together. They were, mm. you know. But, yeah, these days, I don't know. And metal's a challenge anyway. Oh, definitely, it's definitely. Like, you, you're multi-tracking fucking heaps of shit anyway. Extra guitar parts, like, what's the big deal? Fucking eight layers of vocals, why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes you wonder whether they're rushing into the recording phase then because... They're so excited, I guess, by all the things that you can do online now and all the, the marketing yeah. and shit you can do. When is, yeah, maybe just take a step back and get good at your instrument and all that shit, I guess. But but I'm not going to hate know, on people you, that if do you've that. Got the, if, you've, you yeah. know, if, if it's can be done, why not? Yeah, exactly. But Get the, it happening. Yeah. Well, Best way to learn. Sorry to name drop, but the, the whole idea behind, um, like, Mercher and now the sister label as well that's going with it is eliminating all that effort to worry about everything else because a lot of people these days worry about the product and they think the entire product is that CD at the end of the day. The product that you're selling is your music. Mm. So that is the one thing you want to work the hardest at. And a, a lot of bands don't see it these days. And I like to feel I'm doing my little bit, you know, making it a bit easier for someone to, you know, do their merch, do their CDs and stuff like that so they can worry less about that and more so focus all of their efforts and energy into that product, which is their music. Because mm. at the end of the day, if more people are making better music, everyone wins. Mm -hmm. If everyone could fucking create for a living, that would be fucking awesome. And you'd sell a lot more shirts if you... <laughs> album was kick ass right <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly exactly i wonder like you know 10 or more years ago 20 years ago let's say in local metal scene even <clears throat> there's probably more band managers around who are doing shit like that whereas these days yeah mm, yeah yeah you, you can't afford to get a band manager to take care of your merch and take care of your website and take care of your finance and all this shit and be booking your gigs yeah because back, well, back you, then music was the musician's job exactly yeah. these days everything is a lot more accessible so everyone you know does their part they delegate and they yeah yeah no. so but they, also they, call, they yeah. take a piece of the pie every time mm -hmm. like I, I remember i think there was bigger pies back then i don't know that there was no. man well, i was speaking no. to a guy on the weekend yeah. who is from the eastern states he's moved to perth recently he's actually a journalist now, but he was in a band that was doing national tours. I, he did international stuff, I'm pretty sure. But in the in the punk scene, sold 13,000 copies of an EP. 
their first one they did and then they got a lot of label interest and this is I fuck actually I don't know exactly when it was but they had a manager and their manager was their friend who you know came up with them at the same time oh yeah I'll help you guys get gigs mm. and assisting them in signing this deal then ended up fucking them over completely and they never made any money riding off the back of this like 13,000 EPs holy fuck like oh these days unheard of yeah, 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 yeah. But well, as well, an indie physical, band, yeah. that's a yeah. lot of cash, you know. And yeah, apparently this deal they signed, they maybe sold a lot, but they don't know because it was a dodgy thing. And then the mm. manager ended up Ah, uh, That would have been like a 360 deal or something. Um, this is Pickle's asshole, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, this is, this is years well, ago, I years ago. Yeah, shit. yeah. And no, that, that person ended up working for the label and um, it was all good for them and- their career took off, but the band basically folded. Yeah, right. Well, and that's that's like a classic story here. Like a lot of bands that were we thought were big back in the I guess early two thousands were all around that era. Yeah, they had film clips, they had all this shit, but it's kind of like the um, remember the pop stars TV show story. Mm. Oh yeah, where they all. Yeah, Except they, they were, don't end up on the Bachelorette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they they were everywhere. But then they were making absolutely no money at all. Yeah. And they were paying back the harsh reality that, yeah, the label's giving you this money. Yeah. Yeah, 360 deals, man. They, they, they're the fucking bane of the music industry. Like, yes, they make labels a lot of money. And, um, you know, yep, cool. Here's $10,000. We expect that back. But also we're taking royalties. And we own your fucking master. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's when, yeah. Is that thing still working? <laughs> Hardly. I'm just thinking 13,000 EP sales. Yep. Times yeah. maybe five songs on the EP, right? Yep. Are you doing a Spotify thing? Maybe, yeah. So these days, like Excel functions times point three eight. Point three eight. Zero zero three eight. Is it is it three cents or a third of a cent? You're right. Zero yeah. zero three eight. Zero zero yeah, it is, yeah. three eight. Two hundred and forty seven dollars. Oh that's <laughs> fucking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then even, I mean, I only did a similar calculation the other week looking at how many streams and shit we've had of our new album on Spotify and it was, you know, less than that. But you realise you realize how these guys sold 13,000 copies of their shit was word of mouth and being an indie band. Yeah. And those people are the ones that to this day still buy CDs. Yeah, Only yeah. a few of them drop off. And they yeah. work hard too. Yeah. And that's the thing. They, they're yeah. constantly, they don't use any other ex- a, a form of media for ex- expressing the music or anything like that. It's just playing shows. Yeah. yeah. And so it's at, at gigs and I think these guys- Smoking bombs in car parks. <laughs> they had shock distro. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're in every record store in Australia. That means that they have a number that, you know, they can order your shit in for you. Yeah, so they, that's, yeah. that's the. I think that would have still been mm. up in the thousands for sure, yeah. for sure. Wasn't Rafe and the Cordy Boys? You guys were on shock. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had a distro with them. That was that was dying at, when we signed that. Yeah, I was right. all starting to wind down. It would have been good if it was the album before, I reckon. Favourite album ever released Coach on shock? <laughs> oh, Fuck. Home bake, um, double CD. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Live in Brisbane. <laughs> so I guess that $247 though these days, plus however many people still buy the CD anyway. 
it's plus the extra stories. people that come to the gigs because they've found you on Spotify, plus the people who buy the T-shirts because they've heard your shit on Spotify. Maths that can't be done. But there, there are so mm. many variables in that equation that, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. So you wonder whether that's just an extra, you know, couple hundred bucks, one of those streams we're talking about before you go on tour, you come back, you got a few extra Spotify streams, a few extra mm. bucks. But the, oh, I find it difficult because, I, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of interviews and shit about bands. And yeah. because of my access to Apple Music, which pays almost double the royalty of shitty old Spotify, <laughs> um, I hear about Chris Broder Broderick from Megadeth, Nevermore, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. He's got a solo album. I'm like, that motherfucker shreds. And he's got a solo album. And he quit Megadeth and did this solo album. I'm going to check it out. Mm. Like, you know, rust in peace. Thank you, Ray McGill. It is a masterpiece. <laughs> um, you know, it's a great album. I like Chris. I'm going to go listen to it. And I just by happenstance listen to maybe 12 of his songs, which I otherwise wouldn't have. A few years ago when I just read the thing, oh, Chris Broderick's got something. I'll listen to one song on YouTube. He won't get anything yeah. from it. Yeah. Look, 12 times a third of a cent is better than sweet fuck all and then i've since recommended it and it's since going to be my album of the week this week so maybe a few more people will listen someone will like yeah. it they might buy merch and it's it's like a marketing tool that it, it is yeah even even though it's dribs and drabs as well like as a marketing tool it still does produce money. but it's almost like a virality has to you know create that income mm. so they've they've kind of monopolized on that um you know, if you, if you go viral, yes, you'll make your money kind of thing. I don't know if you... Yeah, it's still it's, basically yeah, free. It's <laughs> yeah, But if they convert it into a merch sale, and that's the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So Always the best source of income. Who had the best deal in the 90s on a record label? Maybe like Metallica or Tool. So maybe like two to four bucks per album. Mm, that mm, is fucking mm. nothing, right? Is, yeah. So if you sell and that's one, for how many times do people listen to that CD as well? I mean, exactly. I've got fucking anima that I've listened to five hundred times. Five you know, like nothing else so. matters. Black album. Someone's paid nine dollars for the black album, and yeah. they've listened to it how many times? Yeah, yeah. and, and, and if so you equivalent that to streams, you you. You get one listen of Chris Broderick's Act of Defiance, right? <laughs> it converts capital buy shirts ten bucks. Mm. Divide that by a third of a cent mm. in streams. Or if you're the highest selling metal band in the world, Metallica, divide it by four bucks. That's three album sales right there. That sounds really shit, doesn't it? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like yeah. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's actual yeah. hard cash for that person. And the more independent you are, the more each sale matters. So, oh, 13,000 yeah. copies independently. Oh, you don't. As opposed to having a label pump half a million dollars into you and then you sell 50. Yeah. You go gold and you seem really super cool or golden Australia or whatever the fuck. Mm. Golden curry. Yeah. Golden curry. How good is it? But you're making like 10 cents an album and you make 50,000. It's just, I don't know. It's like a dirty, it's a dirty business model. Oh yeah, everyone's Always making has money but yeah, the band. But so the band. why not just make no money yeah. and convert them into merch or merch sales? Mm -hmm. Hey, gig attendees, nice asshole pickles again. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Ooh. Are you in a band at the moment? Um, oh, I do have one, but we're not really doing anything. But I've got plenty of solo projects. Um, 
concede power violence ban on Mercha. Uh, I made shirts. No one's bought any. But <laughs> oh. I've got shirts there. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's, that's about it. No one has to buy anything. No risk, no reward. Ex- right? oh, no risk or reward, but <laughs> No risk, no reward. <laughs> Fucking, you might as well just not even sell you, anything. You know what I'm saying? I do. Okay. But um, yeah, I've got I've got that. I did a did an EP and I was playing around with um, cassettes and um, made twenty odd myself. Realised it was dumb and sussed out cassette fulfillment after that. But um, sold all of them. Yeah. Which was cool. Half of which to the US, so all that loss. Yeah, that's so. a new rage or a re-rage again, cassettes. Oh, in, in punk, vinyl. hardcore, power mm. violence, grind, all that. Yeah, fucking yeah. lap up the cassettes. Um, so here you go, Cabba, time for nerdery. Yeah. So you ran a recording studio for quite a while? Yeah, dude. Um, I pretty much ran it from when I was 17 up until... I'm 27 now, so two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you had like a cool... What I liked about you is you actually bought a console and... Yes, yes. I did buy a sweet little rig, which was what everyone dreams about doing. Everyone does dream about doing, Mm. yeah. Um, Yeah, I did did own a... I I called her uh, Katie, Katie Console, after Katie Perry, because Katie Perry has huge assets, and that was a huge asset to me. (laughs) What was Katie's... um, well, well, tell us about her. What the <laughs> fuck is Katie? Katie, oh, Katie was an AMEC, AMEC big console okay. I bought off um, all my George who runs Soundtown. Um, used to run um, Couch, which uh, Rowdy and Sam ended up running. And turned into Electric City. Yeah. If you listen to episode 12 of the Claim of Rome Blodgecast, you can Twelve. listen to Sam. I think back then somewhere. Yeah. If it, it is 12, I win a prize. Funny, funny <laughs> thing, Sam recorded our fucking Ides of March demos. Oh, really? Back in like 08. Yeah, yeah. No, not even that. 1908. Yeah. No, <laughs> Whoa. no, um, no it would have been 2007. I don't think I was even of age. Oh, It would have been real? 17. Yeah, they used to have to sneak me into gigs, man. Mm. So, and then, hold on a minute. So if you started recording when you were like seventeen, yes. did you was that like Sam did the first demo and then you were ultra into it and just continued on? Oh no no no! I I started fuck! I started back in Carrara when I was thirteen. Um, there was like two bands in Carrara, mine and a mate of mine, and um, we both shared the same drummer because you know drummers are a bit scarce up yeah, north. I've been to Bunbury before. Similar deal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm from Bunbury's Bunbury. a. Bumbry's two hours drive, mate. Crowther's <laughs> two days. It's a long way. Yeah. Um, two hours on a plane, though, right? Yeah, all right. But not, not everyone has a plane park. Yeah, no, it's is two it, hours on a plane. Is it for real? Is that all? No, it was 1,700 Ks oh, or 1,600 yeah. Ks. Anyway. Come on, anyway. He, um, he had a drum kit set up. There's a couple of microphones and this and that. And um, a copy of Cool Edit Pro. Class yeah. 1.5. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we were just over one day and he was showing me all these Static X covers that he'd recorded. Beautiful. As you do. Back in, holy Post-Wisconsin death trip days, of course. <laughs> yeah, it would have <laughs> Fuck. No, what's song? Because he had a corn cover band back when they were relevant. And- um, Last year. Oh, that I'm album was actually pretty good. <laughs> have you heard the- No, no, I haven't. I do haven't. it. I assume it's better than the new In Flames. Oh, I have not don't heard get that. Me started. Yeah, you talked anyways, about auto yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was thirteen. So way back in, uh, what was I, twelve? 
No, I started my first band when I was 13, yes. Yeah, so it was when I started that. And I figured out that um, I had a headphone adapter because Dad, fucking legend, had a karaoke machine mm-hmm. or a DVD player with a karaoke input. So I pinched the karaoke microphone and figured out I could plug it into the back of the computer and put it in front of my amp and record it. Soundblast 16. Oh, fuck. I heard this story before. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, fucking went over to mate's house and he had Cool Edit Pro and all this <clears> shit. And he burnt me a CD, all fucking 80 megabytes of it. And, um, yeah, got me hooked. Got me hooked from, like, fucking age 13, man. And then I think I um, I did record and release a few <laughs> records when I was, like, 15, 16 for some bands. And then, um, yeah, became full-time probably when I was, like, 18. Yeah. And so. why'd you dive into getting a console? Because we were, like, you know, anyone who reads an internet forum analog versus digital man you got to have analog like what what made you choose it um, was it a bit of that or it was there and i had a little bit of money and i could buy it but um no nah, not just that um doing a, a little bit of live sound at the time too so i was working on a lot of like older desks and um when i was a lot younger starting it i um used to hit up studios and be like hey can i can i intern for you mm-hmm. and fetch coffee so i would watch the console workflow and like when i first started out i was all all in the box and mm. the moment I could get a console that was worth getting it was yep that's it that's me and workflow was just like you know mixing a live band you can get a band doing a take and I was doing a lot of like um, live recordings as well and um, having soundworks after hours helped a lot too mm. so it was like I'd get a band in and they're just like oh we just want a demo I was like yeah fucking sweet fucking hook everything up into the console play around with it, get used to that workflow again. And mm. um, and it just sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my friend Marco, who I was talking to on the weekend yeah. about Roundy, he was saying he, he does live sound and he's like, man, I hate the idea of recording studio because I just want to get sounds now yeah. and just be doing it. Whereas in the studio, there's so much finessing and kissing around. That's it. And it sounds like, yeah, if you're used to it with that workflow, it probably makes a lot yeah. of, hell of a lot of sense. Mm. Like, nah, most definitely. If you can if you can achieve, and I, and I suppose it's the same thing with outboard. Like I did, you know, achieve the dream of actually having a fair bit of outboard by the end of it. So it was, um, you know, if you could achieve the sound you wanted on the way in, it was less work later. Totally, one. yeah. And two, it sounded fucking good good from the get-go you knew what you were expecting yeah it's a great lesson that because we record our stuff it's not you know it's not the greatest fucking recordings on earth but we do oh, it yeah, for money money reasons and all that kind of stuff yeah. we, we don't play as many gigs as we used to and the the cash just ain't there and it's also a Off lot of clock, fun. flexibility all that yeah, stuff. yeah and, and and that was the other thing as well like um the console would only get powered up it, it fucking it just cost me a bundle just to run it yeah that's what i do want to know is so how many channels was that 32 uh it was a it was 28 and i hadn't expanded the other four yeah but yeah so so what did that cost a month in power or did you not necessarily see those bills i did see the bills but i only paid a percentage because it was a sublet yeah, but if i yeah. ran it because i was paying those bills monthly if i ran it how i did which was every day i was tracking so maybe one week out of four like essentially running turned on uh yeah. probably about 300 bucks extra oh, on my bill so but i only paid the percentage so Sorry, yeah. Rafe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because that's one thing I've yeah, always yeah. heard is that, like, I mean, and that's like, 
uh, a small format console, essentially. Oh, essentially, yeah, 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 yeah. Compared to some big fucking yeah. massive desk. The thing weighed fucking like 100 kilos, man. It was fucked. Oh, I would yeah. actually expect it to weigh more, but- No, no, well, it was, it was yeah, 100 kilos. It was small in comparison to like a big channel. Yeah. About, like a big, big console. That's surprising. Yeah. So, so that, that was one question I had. The other one was, I remember when I first saw it in there, you were saying that you had a channel out at the moment getting serviced. Did George service them? Um, Soundtown oh no, or someone? I, I, uh, the power supply went up and almost in flames just after I got it off him. Yeah, uh, it turns yeah. out it had some fucking popped capacitors. But um, I used to I used to pull strips out myself and just desolder, oh, resolder okay. components yeah, on and stuff. I remember it was missing strips or something. You were saying yeah, it needs some regular servicing. So that that side of it, how often? Does a channel strip go down? Um, well, given its age, uh, it wasn't even that old in compar- comparison. I think it was a, I think it was eighties, man. Oh, so, like okay. it wasn't even that old. Yeah, but it was it was fucking cool. Mm, um, it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I had a few go, um, and mostly it just came down to it's always capacitors, it's always capacitors. Mm. So it's like it's predominantly downtime. That you're dealing with, mm, so like okay. that'd cost you a, a, more money than it was to fix it. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Like I'd, I'd, I'd lose a couple of hours a month, yeah, out of it, just because I, it probably didn't see a service for a while. But so if you had your time again and you had a, another studio, would you go console or Fuck would yeah. you go one hundred percent? Really? Okay. Yeah, dude, definitely, definitely. So, so you track through it and then obviously mix back through it. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of summing through it. Um, yeah. Back when I had the studio, it was structured like um, I had my own mix engineer and he was a in-the-box kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the way in tracking, like all the way, like I, I'm, I'm a big fan of doing everything on the way in. All my outboard was on, you know, compressing everything on the way in, like just committing mm-hmm. 100%. Because I remember when I first started out, I'd have so many different sessions because I was completely in the box when I was a kid. Didn't know what I was doing. I'd save sessions all the time and, like, I'd make a change be like, oh, I don't think I like that. I'll come back to that, save that session. And it, it, it's all about committing. And it, it, in the end, it made me a better engineer because you know you're committing. You know everything is final. So by, you know, doing everything on the way in, that's it. You know that's your last take. Yeah, so yeah. So you strive to be better at what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing, I mean, I've learned... Well, pretty much is that. Uh, I don't. I definitely don't have that much outboard at all. Mm. But yeah, got some half decent preamps, and most of the stuff we do, we'll do drums elsewhere, and yeah, then do everything else at home. But it's more for me in terms of like guitar tone. So I want to make sure that and bass as well that when it's going down, like that's it. That's it. Because yeah. the worst like option paralysis I've ever had in my life is trying to figure out guitar tone after the fact, and yeah. that's just like a microcosm of the mm. whole idea you're talking about. Mm. But I think it even stretches like um, to vocals and stuff. Like we just record, and it's like, oh, it sounds a bit shit, and it's like that's because. We're going straight into a preamp and that's it. Like this mic might need some EQing, it might need some compression, but we just go dry. Yeah. And then now it's like, okay, even though I'm not going to probably track this plug-in yeah, yeah. to disc, at least having something there and well, see, the, to make the, the experience the, yeah, nicer yeah, as yeah. well. Well, the thing at the end of the day is like, um, you know, if, if 
that last 10% you can achieve in the box and you're doing that, oh, yeah, drums could sound better, that's all right, they're just this going into that, you're creating more work for yourself at the end of the day and you'll lose a lot. If you if you just commit from the get-go, you know, all right, that's our drum sound, let's build around that. Mm. That's our guitar tone, fuck yeah, let's build around that. Like, give yourself the option, especially with the guitars. I always say, like, track and keep it on the way in. Keep a DI in case, you know, someone down the road if you're mixing with someone else could be like your fucking your guitar tone sucks and you'd be like oh yeah it's beyond yeah, yeah. there you go reamp it but by all means build that sound and know what you're doing from the get-go just just commit yeah i actually just find in in terms of inspiration and having everyone excited about doing takes especially when it gets to vocals i think singing along with you know, raw-ish uh, uh, tracks yeah. is kind of like not that fun. No, that's it. And the more finished it sounds like one of the tricks I used to do in the studio, like, you know, I'd be working on something, editing it, I'd, I'd turn a limiter off. Like, well, I wouldn't have a limiter on. It'd just be all dry. I'd be editing and all that. Band wants to come in and hear it. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Chuck a limiter, compression, and a bit of parametric EQ on it. Bang. Instantly sounds better. Yeah, this is what you're all saying. Oh, my God, it sounds amazing. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's what you've got to do. But um, in a tracking sense, definitely. Like, uh, the more finished it sounds when you come into it to, you, you know, doing vocals, you'd understand. I've, I've done the same. Like, the more finished it sounds, the more into it you're like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, this is mm. sick. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know, you're at a gig in front of a thousand people exactly. instead of in your bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're hearing it how everyone else is going to hear it. So mm. obviously you're going to be more amped to do that. And it's a funny thing um, with tracking vocalists in the studio as well. A lot of it is is that you've got to put them in that that mindset. You've got to kind of like kind of like um, what's the word I'm looking for. Get, well, I don't just, know about the vibe. No, nah, manipulate thing them. Oh, yeah. Okay, manipulate sure. them into creating good takes. Um, one of the tricks I used to do uh, in the studio was like, you know, I'd give a vocalist a couple of beers first and be like, yep, cool, just just have a couple of beers. You know, remove those inhibitions. Done. Sweet. Cool. You know, bump up certain parts. You know, you've got to psychologically manipulate them into... And I'm not just vocalists, I'm just using them as an example, but everyone really. Like, Ash has done that to me in the past as a vocalist. Yeah. In that room. Gets like, me really trashed. But even before that room at the other <laughs> oh, house, yeah, what, yeah, what, was, yeah. what did you used to say? Like, be more ruthless or whatever? Yeah, for sure. Tell me things. I'm like, how can I scream any harder than that? And like, do it again. Do yeah. It again, do it yeah, again. but yeah, it's and not. And I get it. Yeah, it's not about like wearing you out. It's more about like. Capturing that vibe, that emotion behind it because yeah. you can hear that. Get me angry. Make it sound yeah. more angry. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, and that, that's what they used to do in the day. I can't remember. I read an article fucking years and years ago about um, some band recording in the studio and the dude's absolutely ruthless. And um, the guy engineering him just got in there and, you know, brought up some issues that the dude had when he was younger and it got him more emotional. Then he did his takes and was like, yeah, that's what we wanted to capture. Sorry, buddy. Pat on the back. Hope everything's going to be well with you. But that's it. Like, you're there to capture that performance. Yeah, I Jonathan remember Jonathan Davis crying. Yeah, it sounds like a Ross Robinson, Jonathan Davis scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Machine or something like that. But um, yeah, like that particular instance you're talking about was just we'd done these demos. And when we demo, we're like, 
oh, who cares if you blow your voice out, let's drink 80 beers and just have complete fun. And I, I was so into the demos and the sound of his vocal on the demo, right? Yeah. And it was so, yeah, I would describe it as ruthless. Then when we go to track the real thing, Cab is like, we were both very clinical about the whole thing. Like, okay, yep. I'm going to turn off the monitors and you're going to do this <laughs> and are your levels good? And so it was very, it sounded like real safe. And I remember yeah. like we got halfway through the song and I just turned to Cabra and said, and I probably have those takes somewhere. We should do a comparison one day. Just like, man, can you be more ruthless? And you're like, what, yeah, what do you mean? It's like on the demo, it sounded, you're singing about like the earth blowing up or scorching or something. It's like, just imagine you're like, I don't know, in in that fire or something yeah. like what are you well, saying? It's almost about? like acting and getting in character. Yeah. Like, and especially from if you're on, conveying a story. Yeah. I never had to ever say anything like that yeah. ever again. <laughs> it was just par for the course. But we I mean we've talked about that a lot of the time. Um just how we do get used to the demos and how much we love like the rawness and like yeah, the feeling yeah. and the and the shit of the demo. It just sort of captures that I don't know, the feeling at the time or whatever, and then you go and you do the recording and it's all polished and it sounds awesome, but it just is missing that little thing that the demo has. And whether that's a good or bad thing, because sometimes we're just trying to match the demo instead of like thinking about how we can improve it or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's yeah, all, always about like capturing emotion and stuff. And like that's been the thing since day one in recording. Like they mm. throw bands in a room and be like, play it. Didn't it just feel it. sounds so Play wanky, it. and I never, I never thought it mattered until yeah. until I heard, and and we all do it, and with with drums as well. It's always like trying to mm. remember to hit the right fucking thing, and sometimes it's not even about that at all. It's just no. about getting it, you know, as long as in time. Yeah, and yeah. many happy accidents doing that. Like, oh fuck, I accidentally played completely through that stop. Well, it sounds good. Yeah, let's keep it. Okay. Yeah, sweet. Oh, that's happened many an album, like um, like with my own bands as well. Like um, you know, you've gone in and we've done pre-prod over six months, and you know, we we all know our parts. We've all been mm. sent off to different studios to track it at the same time, uh, just because we needed you know release dates or something. And then you hear the drums back, and you go, "Oh, you changed that." <laughs> that sounds fucking cool though like why didn't we think of that mm. you know yeah it's it's those things and it, it is all about capturing that and unfortunately like some bands like it's it's um i think you were saying before about the experience or something like some people like the, the studio they're just like oh yeah we're in the studio and it's not about that it's like status and it's like nah come on guys like <laughs> We're here to create a product and back on the product thing like at the end of the day the product you're selling like Everything that you do within your band is like your resume and that product, that final product that you're selling is your music. Make it real good. Mm -hmm. Totally, especially spending so much time, I hope, <laughs> like writing the stuff. Oh, yeah. And yeah. crafting it. Mm. it the, the worst thing for me, that something I completely despise is when, let's say after a tour and we've played a new song and, and then I go oh, man, I'm now playing this in a certain way. I wish I'd done that on the album. Oh, dude, happens yeah. every time after you've recorded an album. Yeah. You go and listen back to it and, or or you've, you know, toured it. Or just it. develops on a, yeah, yeah. playing it live heaps. Like, like, especially when you write for the studio. Yeah. Have you, yeah, I, yeah I've noticed sure, that, like, for writing sure. for the studio. So, if, like, you, you go in and you've written your record specifically to record it and then you start playing. Let's say you take half of those songs from that album and start playing them live. Then they develop more soul essentially and yeah. you're just like yeah and you start playing and you're just like fuck i wish i did that so does that mean you should 
gig the songs before you record the album? Yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day... I think even rehearsing is enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, like, it's usually the songs that we rehearse the least are the ones that develop the most after. Yeah, yeah. And they always end up being your favourites. Like, yeah. have you, have, how many yeah. times have you noticed that your favourite songs in your records are the ones that you least play live and the mm. ones that you... On this they, most they, recent tour. Yeah, they just do a 360. Yeah, we accidentally added a song to the set list. Yeah, we took one of. away that we jammed and actually gigged before mm. and was written way earlier than anything else. And we added this new one in. At the time, we went, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. Let's do it. And then it got to doing it. Like, fuck, I think I've only actually played this a handful of times ever. Mm. And it through six shows, it just developed by the end. Mm. And by the way, this is a weird thing. Cabba announces that at the first show we played and we get like a cheer from the crowd. <laughs> that fucking spun me out. Well, also, yeah, seeing crowd reactions to certain parts of the songs as well. Yeah, Before yeah. Before you go in, you're like, man, that bit went really fucking well. Or if and, they- and if we hadn't already recorded it, maybe you'd go, we could repeat that bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's fucking weird, eh? Yeah, so or maybe- it's real funny when you like record an album and you go, oh, yeah, this isn't going to be the favourite, yeah. but everyone loves it. And you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, man. Sometimes, like, I mean, still to this day, like, yeah, we've got our most popular song, We All Hate. And it's like, yeah, the top song on Spotify. And yeah. Over yeah. Gig and we never play it. It happens. Like, it, fucking, it's fucked, eh? I, I heard <laughs> an interview with Billy Corgan a few weeks ago. And he was saying, like, um, in the past, he used to hate people for liking his most famous songs. But now he gets a kick out of embracing their love of that song. So that's why I actually yeah. agreed to doing that song on tour. Yeah. But then when we once we played it in a set, it was actually like really out of place. Yeah. I think that's why we didn't play it. I think so as well. And well, also we were a bit squished for time. We were trying, and we, you know. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Mm. Even though those songs are pretty short. Anyway, so you were telling me earlier that you were going to surprise me this episode with how many things you know about. Uh, our guest today. <laughs> well, it was mostly. Uh, so thanks for joining us on today's podcast, Ash. Um, <laughs> and do you have a favourite Jay Huxtable moment? Well, it was actually more the nerdery we already talked about with the Amec desk. And yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I was quite quite into that whole thing. I like that you've always been looking at that shit from uh, a young age, dude. That was the day before I went into Poonset to record the drums for Fortune Flame. Mm. And I walked, I rehearsed at Sandworks Awesome Park and I walked in and I, Jay had set up in there and previously I'd seen him in Junior Lab. And um, yeah, I went in there and hung out for, you know, half an hour, had a beer or whatever, checked out tracking session that was going on, saw the desk, saw all the shit. And I was like, this is cool. Listen to some stuff. And it was really fucking awesome. I'm just recounting, Jay, I don't know if you remember this, oh. but when I, I rented a room next to you in Aussie Park, and it was like the yeah. day before I was going in to record drums. And that's when I got the, the grand tour of your Aussie Park residence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're in three, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Room yeah. Three. I remember that. There you go. Yeah. And oh, yeah, because I came in during the day and you're like, what Yeah, you well, what the fuck are you doing here? And then, yeah, yeah. Because like, the keys supply smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd seen your shit up at Jundi and that got shut and you moved it down yeah. to Aussie Park. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, because he's like, oh, yeah, what's your favourite Jay Huxtable moment? But that was it. Like, it was cool <laughs> seeing from from the Joondal Up set up, moving down there and everything was just like completely different. It was like quite cool and 
Oh yeah, dude, yeah, it was, it was basic as fuck when I was at Junior Lab. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but that's the progression of a couple of years, and you know, um, totally. One of the biggest things was like buying that console and going. I'm gonna set my rates higher. I got better bands. Um, it was actually funny. I got some big bands even after I closed the studio down. I ended up doing um, recording all Sean's vocals for that MTS record, um, mm. Old Souls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. so I did that in my living room at home. With that dude from um, Stranger Things in the film clip. Yeah. You know the douchey dude what? off the new Stranger Things was going to make him suffer yeah, for Why do you say that? Yeah. I'm starting to grow you know out my, my 80s, like, oh, yeah, yeah. dad haircut. The mullet dude. Yeah, the best yeah, character off new Stranger Things. He's from Perth. Yeah. What? He and is. Didn't you know that? Oh, dude. Man, I sent, uh, I think it was first or second episode of Stranger Things, I sent a video of it, of him doing a keg stand and then immediately smoking a durry. <laughs> I sent it to Jim saying, this is the new best character no of shit. any TV show. Turns out he's from Perth and he was in that MTS yeah. film clip. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you did vocals for that album. Yeah, I've got some. Yeah, I tracked, the, I tracked Sean's vocals for Okay, him. cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, we did it in my living room and um, that was a cool project because um, he came in not knowing what he really wanted. He wanted to change it up a bit. Um, so, that Old Souls record, I, I pushed him to do things from what I was influenced by. I was like, well, that's a cool section. Have you tried, like, tonal yelling, like, melodic hardcore-esque? And, um, yeah, you can hear it in the record. Like, it's, mm. it's real cool. Yes. Yeah, and I got to push him and, you know, be the nasty vocalist telling the other vocalist what to do. Like, yeah, that was good, but this time, you know, do yeah. as a vocalist, you can't. Like. <laughs> but, no, it was, it was cool. It was, it was a really cool project to work on. Um, got to do a lot of stuff very differently and extremely good vocalist. So, you go do this you know it, it was like a sit roll over but it was like you know he was open to try new things as well and I, you, you never get that with um you know smaller bands or unestablished people or, or the, the less experienced kind of people so that was a cool project to work on yeah i th- that time when i went in at soundworks the session I ended up doing it ended up not being very good. I wasn't very happy with it or anything. And I remember at the time thinking like what we were trying to do is get like a whole back to basics uh, analog signal path. Like mm. just give it a shot. Click tracks for sure. Yeah, definitely. But essentially yeah. try and just get a kit sound. And that's something that we've tried to progress over the last couple of albums. And we're, I reckon we're 90% of the way there. We're just getting back to basics. And yeah, I remember seeing all your rig and I was like, fuck, if I'd known this, I probably would have been tracking in room for a Soundworks, you know, to get the drum Bless your socks. Done. Yeah, but I was, <laughs> nah. it was too late and we wasted some money <laughs> nah, elsewhere. Right, so. man. <laughs> but yeah. No, nah, dude, I, I even remember when um, fucking, I remember for ages, it might have been just after I moved to Joonal up. But Sam was tracking the, the chord album. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, he was, like, set up in that room. Fuck, we actually did track that at June Love. The drums to that. Yeah, June yeah, Love. yeah. Actually, the whole thing. No, no, Love. I remember coming in doing you guys halfway through reamps. Yeah. Or, or Matto was tracking fucking something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember saying to Rafe, and I was just like, so, like, 
uh, it was either before or after I, I started renting there. I was like, oh, can I have a room? I ended up renting that room one for ages. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, oh, man, like I need I need that room back to make bank. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, shit. All right, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a badly designed warehouse. There's yeah, not enough yeah. uh, rehearsal rooms. So I just took over half his office and I was like, yeah, I'll just I fucking work that. for you. How's that? And he's like, yeah, right, sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I ran that because I lived pretty much across the road in Heatheridge. So I just used to walk to work. No, no. I'd be there from fucking eight in the morning till about fucking ten thirty at night. <laughs> if I was real lucky, the bands would feed me piss, so I'd be there till midnight <laughs> getting a lift home with them. It's fucking yeah, sweet. No, man. sweet. Good times. All right, let's run through an album of the week. What mm. have you been listening to? Album of it, the it week. It doesn't have to be good. It, oh no. It can it's, be though. It's, it's brilliant. I forgot the fucking name of it, but gadget. Gadget. Fucking gadget. As in inspector? No, as in gadget. Uh, what's the name of the album? Came out on fucking um, what genre is it? Power violence, guy. Oh, yeah. uh, it's all I've been listening to all week. Let me find the name of it. Came out last year. I have to get my uh, streaming service out. Uh, da, 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 da. Who can find it? The first? Great Destroyer by Gadget. It's got fucking. Um, Old mate from Napalm Death doing guest vocals. Barney? Yeah. Oh, I've got it. On okay. one song or throughout? Uh, on one or two songs, I can't remember. On Relapse. There we go. Oh, yeah, it came out on Relapse. There you go. Yeah. They're cool. like, uh, like, Nasem without the Swedish parts. Okay. Yeah. So you're pretty into power violence and that sort of grind and scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dude. I like. Um. Oh, not particularly too much the scene. Oh, not um, the scene, but I mean, the, oh, yeah. in terms of the music. You yeah, dude. To. Yeah. Um. Nah, I'm. I'm a bit of a mixed bag. Like, I'll go from. I'll go from pop punk to fucking power violence. But um. To playing I, bass and acoustic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I was doing. Yeah, playing bass for an acoustic project. But um. Nah. You know. If it's fast and heavy and cool. Like, great production value on that album. Mm-hmm. Love it for the production value. It's like a grind band that sounds good on record. Um, oh, I'll have to give a close second to um, uh, Organ Dealer, that split with Birdflesh. Oh, I actually did hear a new Birdflesh song. Yeah, I've not. Oh, heard Jim posted it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I don't know, but he sent one to me. Yeah. And I listened to it, and he, yeah, dug the riffs and the lyrics a lot. Yeah, cool. Um, Organ Dealer, good band. Okay, interesting. Yeah, they did a split with uh, Birdflesh. Hmm. All so right. what song will we play at the end of this podge, by the way? Oh, the yeah, yeah. One do from, you have um, a song? Gadget or? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Go. The, or, or should we do a, a little shout out to my own band? I think yeah, we probably can. do that. Yeah. Totally, right. totally, we'll totally do that too. Cause, well, the song's only like 30 seconds long. Fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually. Um, What's the band name? Concede. Is, yeah, it, is that on streaming? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've got the label now, man. I can throw anything I want up. So. Mercher.com. Look for the Concede shirts. Get those. Oh, yeah. No one's bought them yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. My con- uh, oh, oh, Regression? Released, yeah, Regression. Gotcha. I released that um, start of this year. Okay, cool. Um, What's a good song off that to play? I don't know. Um, let's think. Da-da-da-da. Uh, uh, slaves is cool. Consumers is good too. The others are pretty quick, oh, except for Godless. Consume. 
Uh, or slaves. Yeah, yeah, we'll go. We'll go consume. I think that's the first song that plays okay. on it. But um, yeah, like that entire EP is less than six minutes long. Oh really? Yeah, it comes on a six-minute continuous so cassette. Just go the first two tracks off. <laughs> yeah. See, this is a good strategy with uh, streaming services. If you can get an album with like thirty-five songs that all go for about thirty seconds, it's it's funny you say that. I was talking to one of my mates today. I was like, let's start a, like an avant-garde fucking noise band. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, have you seen like um, procedurally generated music online? No. Uh, like computers that generate MIDI sounds like fucking oh, trash oh, yeah, sounds yeah, like trash yeah. so I was thinking let's put that through like a fucking HM2 and then the other channel can just be white noise and let's separate it into 48 different tracks <laughs> and release it and I was like fuck it instead of making a fucking avant-garde band let's start an entire avant-garde fucking noise scene <laughs> in Perth and do like 30 bands could do it. Just just the things I think of, like, you know, yeah. at work just while I'm sitting there. A third of a cent to generator there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, album of the week, Ash. Mine is legitimately Death Spell Omega, the EP Drought. Mm. The fucking best, Real man. good. Oh, forget oh. about it. If you like Doom, and I know we all listening to this podcast like Doom, Fuck yeah. wrong EP for you. Especially Except Stuart Except the first song, which is um, has clean guitar and is doomy called Salo Vision. That is pretty good. But yeah, the whole thing is fucking awesome. It's pretty short being an EP, 20 minutes. Actually, back in the day, anything over 20 minutes is classified as a long play, mate. You're mm. right. There you go. LP, mate. Of the week. Um, so yeah, that, but also I did mention the Chris Broderick oh, yeah, yeah. stuff, which is called Active Defiance. And the new album is called Old Scars, New Wounds. Man, the shred on that. The tone is pretty fucking cool as well. Uh I like the screaming vocals, but it's the the kind of groove of it and also his cleans aren't up my alley at all, but I like Chris Broderick. So I gave it a lot of a listen and I, I liked it. But yeah, I thought you might like it. Yeah. I'll definitely listen. Huh? Yeah. Have a listen. Haven't heard it. What about you? Album Fuck of the yeah. week? Uh, probably Crick. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, all right. Grow That's up. a pretty good album. Uh, also, Golden Curry, Japanese Curry Blocks. <laughs> really good. Uh, I did listen to the new uh, Björk yesterday. Oh, really? Don't know what was happening in that. I don't know if I liked it or not. I couldn't tell. But uh, I did see that pop up. Today, the new Wolfheart. Well, oh. new came out in March. I think you may have had it as an album of the week a few months then. ago. I've only Beyond just listened curve, to it mate. today. Yeah. Enjoying it thoroughly. Not no, bad. The the guy from that band, whatever his name is, was um. Oh yeah, top bloke. Did uh, <laughs> whatever his fucking other band was called. Oh, um, band. Beyond <laughs> yeah, the band. beneath the fuck. What are they called? Massacre. No. Beneath the massacre remains. Um. Oh, Ar- good. Octopus. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I have one. While you're pulling up that, I have an interesting fact. I listened to an interview with Peter Witches of Soil Work. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, ex-soil work on this. It's called the X-Man podcast. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's this guy from God Forbid. Yeah, to a yeah, few yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. Kind I of interesting. That that's good. And also, that's where I found it. Chris Broderick was interviewed on there. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Peter Witches, you know when Roadrunner did that Roadrunner United Yes. Thing? Yes. And yeah. they got like a bunch of dudes to write songs in the vein of Roadrunner songs. Turns out Nuclear Blast, which I do remember at the time, but never listened to it because I didn't have streaming. They did one as well. And Peter Witches wrote the whole album and got guest singers for every song. So, I've gone and listened to that this week and it was 
not. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Roadrunner United, but mm. they, I think they pulled it off better. This one sounds like that era of soil work, every song. What's interesting though, song number two, Yari. Ah. Huh. Fucking yeah. fast. Current Megadeth drummer, Dirk, whatever his name is, who used to uh, be in soil work. work. Yeah. Uh, Super fast. Dirk Nowitzki. Um, Starts with a v. Venereal disease. Yeah. And the other drummer on it, because it's like split 50-50, is Henry Ranta, who is like my yeah, one of my early favourite influences from like yeah. Predator's Portrait. Fuck. Chain Heart Machine, so it. Do you remember- Interesting listen. Fucking Probot? Do yeah. I? Yeah, Fuck yeah. yeah. Dave yeah, Grohl was Grohl-y. one of those early ones. Yeah, eh? yeah. That was like Grohl's concept. Fucking, yeah. Yeah. Love it. The Lemmy song was pretty cool on that, and the Max Cavalier song was Yeah, good. yeah. Yeah. And that Lemmy song was fucking sick. Album of the Week. You're going to have to yell it because I'm going to piss into a stomach. Hey, I've already done it. It's over. No, you were looking for something. Oh, um, Before the Dawn, I was going to say. Oh, Before the Dawn. first band is called Before the Dawn, and uh, their first few albums had heaps of uh, mellow singing, soil work-esque fans of in, in Flames and Soul Work and stuff. And then uh, their latest album was a bit more deathy without any of the cleans, like Bellacore and Insomnium and stuff. And, uh, and then he had this new band called Wolfheart, which is more of that heavy shit with no cleans stuff, which I normally like clean vocals in that stuff, but I think it's a lot better now that it's real heavy. Uh, pretty enjoyable. Probot, man, that's a blast from the past. Fucking oath it is. <laughs> Fucking oath it is. Gotta love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Predator's Portrait. Pretty good. Oh, fuck. Oh, too many beers. Not enough beers. I'm Not enough sober. beers is the problem. Hey, you doing, yeah, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty trashed. Hey, so uh, much talking. Oh, not enough talking. Don't normally talk much in my life. No, I can fucking gas bag for days, mate. What are you talking about? Oh, I could sit and listen to your angelic voice all night. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, just desperate for that. Thanks for joining us, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Any? Do we have to do anything else? I think that's do the we end. Add anything? No, all coming right. up now is concede with fucking no. The songs concede. No, no the, the bands, bands concede. concede, and the songs concede. No, the song Godless which, and Consume. Nah, don't uh, do consume. Consume. Concede, yeah. consume. Concede, consume. And then Oh cleanse is pretty good too. We can easily fit in an extra thirty seconds. We could of, put in six minutes of music. Yeah, yeah, actually, why not? Well well six minutes of music, yeah. Well that you can put the entire EP on. Put a gadget song on though. Yeah, definitely put a gadget song yeah, on. Yeah, do do that and then gadget. And what what gadget song? Oh, let me find it. With You're money. listening to the Claim Your Throne Blodgecast. <laughs> marketing, 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 and more marketing. <laughs> At I have missed doing this, by the way. Yeah, same it's been, been fucking weeks, hasn't it? Uh, months, probably, trying to start making noise. Really? Well, what is that song? Yeah. I think <clears> it's <throat> Pillars of Filth. Pillars of Filth, easy. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Pillars of Feel by Gadget. Filth. Phil, who's Phil? Ah, oh, Phil's my and, mate. And why, why are you fucking so affixed with his pillar? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got a hot pillar. Show us your pillar.